All right, Steve, let me just pitch something to you. I had an idea for a movie. I think it's going to be really huge if somebody can pick it up, develop it a little bit more, put some stars in it, put some money behind oh, it. Oh, I'm excited. You know how these things go. But mm-hmm. I just want to run this by you, see what you think about it. Are you ready? Yep, let's All go. Right. Trademark dead and lovely, of course. <laughs> of course. So I'm picturing this movie, and it's set in like the olden times, right? Uh, you've got these people that are living in a little cottage out in the middle of the woods they're just surrounded by the wilderness there's nothing around them it's a Mm -hmm. man and his wife and maybe his like you know two kids or whatever Mm -hmm. and the rest exactly and it's primitive like I said they're living off the land they're staying away from the forest it's kind of like kind of like the witch or something like that right Uh huh. the witch the witch and you know the father won't allow any singing in the household. He won't allow any kind of dancing. It's a musicless home. Okay. But then late at night, you know, the kids are like, why won't Papa sing or dance, Mommy? And the mom is like, oh, how your father used to dance. He used to have the most magnificent singing voice in all the land and stuff like this, right? right? Uh-huh. But then later on in the movie, you find, uh-oh, look out, here's a huge twist. Basically, the village. They've been living in this fake, you know, time period. Like, it's actually the modern right. days, but they've been raising oh, these kids to think it's olden times, right? Oh, no. And they find out the reason is, is because the father of the family, the reason he, he wants to keep everybody sheltered from the world and the internet and stuff like this, and sheltered from singing and dancing, is because he was the Numa Numa guy. <laughs> <laughs> Numa Numa, the movie. <laughs> oh no! Just, I could just see, I could just see a scene where his baby is reaching up at him with yeah. his hands, like grasping, and uh, he's and just he having a back. flashback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My uh, <laughs> genius. Yes. Pitch sold. Yeah, Trademark Dad sold, Lovely. Right in the room. <laughs> Welcome, Dad Lovely listeners, to the brand newest installment of the brand greatest horror movie podcast in this dimension and beyond. It's Dad mm-hmm. and Lovely here with the host of the most. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. Woo! And we're here to be Hi. talking about Gretel and Hansel, as well mm-hmm. as shooting the shit, catching up, talking about what we've been watching and stuff like that. Hey, listen, y'all, if this is your first time listening to the show, we do a lot of catching up because this is just our hangout. If you want to get straight to the movie review, there's a timestamp in the description. Just fucking click on that. We're going to hang out, chill, and chew the fat. How you been this week, Steve? Max, relax, all cool. Oh, like we do. Well, Black Lives Matter. So there's that. The world is kind of in chaos right now. And I think we've probably heard enough from white men about how black people should react to being murdered in the street. I, you know what? I don't really know that we have a lot to add to the conversation yeah. other than saying that we stand as allies with mm-hmm. you guys against police I'm with brutality, the protesters. Racism. Keep it yeah. up. Fucking, like, go at them. Let them know we got to change this. It's got to stop. Nothing has changed. It's just got to end. Yeah, so. absolutely so, man. It, it gave me, like, a glimmer of hope. For just one split second right there, like there was maybe one day after, after you know, the events happened with George Floyd when he was just murdered yeah. on the streets like an animal, mm-hmm. where it seemed like everybody, right and left, uh, black and white, everybody was like, yo, that was fucked up, right? Like there for yeah. a split seemed second, like we all everybody's agreed. unified. Yep. Uh, don't forget about that. Don't forget that that's the root of what happened. But yeah, it's, it's fucked up. Like I said, it, you know, it's... Uh, 
It's one of those things that I just I don't know what to say. And, and yeah. it's really a better time for us to listen than to talk anyway. You, you said yeah. that earlier, and I think that really sums it up. It's like, as a couple of middle-class white dudes, talking yeah. isn't really what we need to do. We need to be listening right now. Listen to minority voices. Empathize. Be better. Yeah, like, absolutely. Seriously, so. all of us just... We need to listen more than we need to talk right now. So. And if you want to listen to another podcast that probably has a lot better insight uh, than we do about this issue, I'd recommend checking out some podcasts like Medium Popcorn is a great movie podcast that's absolutely hilarious. It's hosted by two African-American guys. But there's lots of other ones. Uh, LeVar Burton reads. Holy cow. What an amazing yeah. podcast. Obviously, LeVar uh, Burton is the host. Culture Kings is a great show. Uh, it's yeah. Not Me, It's You is a really good one, but it's on hold right now because the host had a baby. Code Switch on NPR. There's plenty of stuff for you guys to check out that's going to offer a lot more insightful perspective than than we have. And yeah. I would just like to encourage everybody to donate to your local bail funds. Yep. Or if you don't really have a local one, donate to one where people need it in some of these cities and stuff like that. Because Oh, yeah. Some of the bigger cities, they, they need more bail funds. We need to get these people back out. No Maybe get them back out and protesting more. No I, doubt. I, I, 100%, if you're protesting, thank you. Yeah. I, I hope we're being safe. There is still a pandemic. So oh, my God, dude. Wear masks. No doubt. But just remember, Dad and Lovely stands with you guys. Um, I hope things change. My God, I hope things change. Yeah, me too. No doubt, man. But yeah, it's been a crazy week, but I've had... I've had a few moments of just some some good chill times. I've been able to watch a few things that were that were fun. Steve, I decided that because this is such an an upbeat, fun time to be a human being, you know what would be a <laughs> yeah. great movie to watch? What's that? The most fun movie of all time, Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> Jesus. What? I don't know why we did you, it. I don't you know. You just tortured yourself, huh? Yeah, it's like, this will make things better, right? Yeah, watch that one again. You know what would again. make things better? Ass to ass. <laughs> I mean, ass to ass solves a lot of problems. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. what a movie. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a ride, huh? It is so fucking intense, man. It is a yeah. crazy, dark, I wild think it's a, movie. I think it's a horror movie. Like, to me, it's that, that it is a horror movie for sure. Like, yeah. if it's all of the criteria for a horror movie, it's, man. It's incredible. And it's disturbing in a way that, other movies that are clearly labeled horror, uh, well, there's some that can reach that level, but mostly just cannot reach that level of disturbing. Oh, yeah. And there's like yeah. surreal, horrific, strange yeah. elements in there, too, especially there towards the, the very end when yeah. you know, the old lady's like tripping out and the fridge is going to eat that, her. Isn't that Ellen like Burstyn? Ellen Burstyn, yeah. Yeah. Ellen Burstyn, she's so good in it. God. Oh, man. Just amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Crazy flick. It had been a long time since I watched that. We did watch uh, Men in Black International this week. Oh, okay. With uh, Tessa and uh, the, uh, the Thor. Hemsworth. Yeah. The Thor. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, right. I, li I like both of them. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Like, it kind of got shit on, I think, by critics and stuff like that. But, it, and, you know, it's like, does it have somebody in it that's as charming as a young Will Smith standing next to Tommy Lee Jones? Not really. No. How could you? But if How you like, because you? you put Will like like you put a, the brightest light bulb you can find next to a sheet of aluminum foil, you've got some shine. That's yeah. like <laughs> just like what in the world? Yeah, you can't ever meet Will Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Right. But, they're both awesome, these oh, two. Yeah. So, yeah, they're yeah. great. And their on-screen on -screen chemistry is really good. And ultimately, it's another 
fun action sci-fi comedy movie. So yeah, if you like the other ones, give it a shot. It was fun. Yeah, it's not. It's not like the other ones had like some revolutionary element to them. They right? were just fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh man, the depth of the plot was just incredible. <laughs> right. Come on, it's just like fun <laughs> sci-fi stuff. Yeah. I never saw three. That's the only one that like never even kind of appealed to me. Because international, I remember being like, oh, I like those two. I'll probably watch that. Yeah. But three, I just did. Wait, actually, I think I did see it. Is that the one with Johnny Knoxville? That's what I'm trying to remember. Yes, it is. And doesn't it also have? Okay, so um, I did see it. Jermaine is in it too, isn't he? Uh huh. I remember okay. thinking it was better I than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nothing I'm remembering. Way to go three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a quick about phase where you're like, not even interested. Yeah. Actually, it's three. good. <laughs> Three's really good, you know? <laughs> Did you watch anything good this week? Uh, yeah, I watched some good. Uh, Emily and I have been watching Rick and Morty season four. Awesome. Just, uh, catching up on one of the best shows on television. Still awesome. I still uh, need to watch it because I'm that far behind should, you on everything that's cool. 100% do, but there's so many things you need to watch. Rick and Morty should be high on the list, I would say. Okay. But yeah, Rick and Morty, great. Uh, what else? Uh, Emily's been watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel while I'm working because uh, she's got time off now. She can just watch whatever she wants. And I've heard that's really I have. It's awesome. It's amazing. So funny. I mean, it's nice. Amy Sherman Palladino who did Gilmore Girls and Bunheads for the Palladino heads out there. Oh. The the, the Paladines? What do we call? Right. Yeah, it sounds right. What do we call fans of Amy Sherman Palladino? <laughs> Asps? Em Emperor Paladinas? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, she's awesome. So, uh, yeah. And then Rachel Brosnahan. God damn it. She is so funny and adorable. Right on, man. Yeah, I've yeah. heard a lot of good about that show. I've not really talked to anybody that disliked it. Yeah. So that, that's been fun. And then on Friday night, we uh, saw a little movie called Dead Heat. Oh, was that on the old Dead and Lovely streaming chat on Discord? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Discord, we were talking about some Dead Heat. And let me tell you, I don't remember a thing about it except that Joe Piscopo is in it. And it's basically Lethal Weapon. But Joe Piscopo is supposed to be Mel Gibson. <laughs> but <Okay>. also <laughs> throw in the weird horror elements where there's like, I, I mean, I couldn't follow what was going on because I didn't care enough to try. Yeah, like, that can happen. I, it just, it's just one of those movies where it starts out and you're like, yeah, I'm not paying attention to this. I <laughs> don't care. <laughs> but by the end of it, it felt like I had watched a trilogy of films. Like so much happened in it. It was ridiculous. Right on. It was fucking 15 pounds of shit crammed into a one-pound bag. <laughs> yeah, one-pound bag, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then after that, they were showing Cannibal Holocaust, which I don't ever need to see again. So I've never uh, seen Cannibal Holocaust, on. and I just can't muster up the interest. It's one of those that I know no. is like, oh, man, it is revolutionary. It's such an important yeah. flick, yada, yada. But I'm like, I just don't really care to watch like animals getting killed and stuff. Like, I saw it as a youth. Oh, when and, you're a youth. Yeah. And um, I don't know, like, as a youth, I didn't know all that stuff. And because it, I had seen Faces of Death as well. And Faces of Death shows stuff like a, a, a cow being exsanguinated and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, like, yeah. like, I guess to me, it was just like, oh, okay, this is all horror movie stuff. And then you grow, like, I grew up and found out, like, 
the reality that there was actual animal abuse and animals being hurt and killed, uh, I don't need to see that movie ever again. Yeah. 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 It's one of those ones, man, that like Cannibal Holocaust seems to be like the G.G. Allen of horror movies. Where, like, right. People just talk I don't about know. it because a it's Serbian shocking. film is probably the G.G. Allen. Uh, yeah. Of movies. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's that's pretty accurate, right yeah. there. But yeah. So you're, yeah, I'm with you on this. You know, it's, it's like yeah, it's shocking and gross and disturbing and stuff. But it's like yeah, but do you like G.G. Allen's songs? Do you listen to that <laughs> shit? Do you enjoy it? Like if I ever meet somebody who's like my favorite horror film is Cannibal Holocaust. It's just like come on, man. Really? No. It is not. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's revolutionary in the sense of like given that idea of like true story. Uh, oh yeah, the know, marketing documentary was style thing. Smart. Yeah, yeah, that was all smart. But uh, I mean, you know, if you want to watch it, watch it. Uh, the the abuse has already happened. You're not by watching it now. You're not uh, gonna make a Cannibal Holocaust two happen. Mm, but mm. just know that it's happening on film in front of you. If you I've can start watching that synopsis yeah. and stuff like that, and I'm like, yeah. that's that's enough for me. That's fine. Yeah. Like, I don't that's know what, what I in the say. Movie. I don't need to watch it. Yeah, it's, uh, I agree. One hundred percent. There's the only reason to see it is if you're some weird, absolute horror film completionist. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. I'm going through every horror met horror movie alphabetically. I gotta yeah. watch all of them. <laughs> Got to the C's. <laughs> it was pretty early in there, so. Just right finished on. Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I wish I could have stayed and hung out and checked that one out. I've been at war with my with my car this week. I had like a, a oh, coolant man, leak, sucks. took it Ugh. in, got this hose repaired and stuff that was behind the water pump to the tune of like, you know, 250 yeah. bucks or something. Then the next day, my fucking water pump goes out. So my car uh-huh. is currently getting that replaced. All mm. kinds of fun. The fun never stops. Dude, if I ever need any sort of surgery related to my my male genitalia, as I leave to go get it, I'm going to say, I'm going to go get this hose repaired. (laughs) Need the old hose repair, do we? Yeah. Need to get a hose repaired. (laughs) Get patched up. Yeah. I think that otherwise, though, this week I've mainly just been keeping myself entertained, getting back into to writing some original tunes again, which has been awesome. I've not devoted I any time posted, to writing. Uh, oh, yeah, dude. You posted a, a song you just, just completed. So yeah, I man. forget what it was called. Uh, Concrete? Concrete. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yep. And I've been working on some other original stuff, too. It's just been so long since I've had time to like write original music because typically, yeah. you know, by right now, like six months into the year, usually I've already learned like 150 songs for different gigs <laughs> right and i've not been having to do that so i've actually had yeah. time to like devote to my music which has been really fucking refreshing so that's been fun and uh, a good creative use of my time because i've always found i've said this many times whenever the world seems completely fucking out of control and there's nothing you can do about it it's really wonderful to take control of something like music yeah. or art or whatever you can make right uh it's a wonderful fulfilling feeling that i recommend everybody try out yeah, I agree. It it's really uh, it can be therapeutic. It can yeah. also be a major source of stress itself. But at the end, you have something. Yeah, that's exactly. Like always the that's always the thing that helps me push through the. I I don't want to do this right now, or I'm just not feeling it. Just like well, when it's done, you got like you can go. I've got that thing. I did that. It's done. It's there. You can oh, improve yeah. it or whatever, but at least you got something. Just the act of completing something. And and then, too, like yeah. at the end of the day, I'd much rather be 
worried or stressed about writing a, a better chorus than <laughs> yeah. you know, dealing with the world burning <laughs> <Yes>. down. <laughs> that, that is entirely true. Yeah, it's a better kind of worry, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, good stuff. Everybody join up with the uh, the Discord page and stuff. Oh, join yeah, in yeah. for the uh, Friday night stream and chat. Hang out with us. We just do like a text-based chat and watch Joe Bob and stuff like that. Always a yeah. good time while everybody's shut in on a Friday night. Uh, and, of course, too, I'll just go ahead and get this out there, too. If you guys want to help support the show, check out that Patreon page. Hell, yeah, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Uh, we, we are about to start doing yeah. some mini-sodes uh-huh. soon that will be available to all all levels from one to all whatever. Are welcome. All, all are welcome. All are welcome. <laughs> so head on over there, become a Patreon patron. If you become a $5 patron, you get to submit a movie for the monthly drawing. Uh, and, you know, uh, you get to decide what movies we cover. That's really cool, I That's imagine, a fun right? time right there, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks as always for listening. I've been Uncle... Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Broke my rhythm. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Steve, of course, the one thing that we both watched this week was a Gretel... And Hansel, uh huh, which that's is a one. crazy weird movie by old Osgood Perkins uh-huh. that's based yep. around a fairy tale. What wasn't written by the Grimm's, but it was collectimated by the Grimm Bros. And let me that let me toss this at you, true. Steve. Not just the Grimm Brothers, my ancient ancestors, the Grimm Brothers. <gasps> Are you a Grimm? I am a descendant of those very Grimm's. Dude, you, you what? Can, that's Draw crazy. a family tree line. The Grimm's married into the Capel huh. family, which is on my mom's side, which married into the Webbers and then the Ellers. So somewhere in there, I got some Grimm blood in my veins. That's pretty cult well, and damn. black metal. Grimm and Grimm blood. Well, when you, when you hear a little bit more about your ancestors in a little bit, uh, you're going to find out how fucking metal as hell they actually were. Oh, shit. You don't say. You got something yeah. planned for me here? Yeah, dude, there I got I got some history on them, but uh, I also wanted to talk about some of the stories they collected. Ben, no way, is yeah. it story time for Uncle Ben right now? It's story time for Uncle Ben. Ben, oh my God! Well, how about this? How about before we get into the deep dive review ski on Gretel and Hansel, how about we just take ourselves just a a nice little cozy story time detour into the old preview palace? Hey, welcome to the Oh my god, that's not as scary. It was a snake. A snake <gasps> just came in, guys. Oh my god. Wait, what? I under I understood it though. Do I speak parcel tongue? Wait, what did it say? It said, Welcome to the preview palace? Holy shit, you're a Harry Potter, Harry. <laughs> you're a hairy wizard. <laughs> that's what they'd say if they looked at me. You're a hairy wizard. <laughs> yes, you're I a am. hairy wizard. Depend. <laughs> I wanted to uh, tell you some of the most fucked up Grimm's fairy tales just real quick. Now, I don't know what you're talking about. All these are stories that we heard when we were kids. They're all yep. very normal. Nothing really yep. weird happened in them as right. far as I'm concerned. I don't know what right. you could be like talking in, about. Like in Cinderella where, you know, the, the prince comes to see yeah. if the shoe fits the mm-hmm. stepdaughters exactly. and one of the stepdaughters cuts off her toes to try to make it fit and another cuts off her heel. I Remember don't recall that? that happening in the one you that I was told. Well, Ben, what? guess what? <laughs> I'm sure those it's an isolated stories, incident. Those stories that we've known for a long time 
are all fucked up, but there are some even more fucked up ones that you've never heard of. Oh my god, and I can't wait to hear about it. I want to start with one that actually was so fucked up that it was only in one edition of the Grimm Brothers, the first edition. Because even back then they were like, yo, this needs some editing. This is fucked up, bro. <laughs> uh, and I also think it needs to be the title of a song. Uh, so if you're out there playing for any sort of metal band. Hey, I- I'm writing songs right now. Maybe this is one for me. How about this, Ben? How Some Children Play at Slaughter. Holy shit. Now that yeah. sounds dope. So in the uh, so the original idea of Grimm's Fairy Tales is they were uh, organizing these stories, but they were academic. So the like if there were different versions of the story, they would be included. So this actually had two versions. Yeah, in they, one version they, again, that's a misconception. They didn't write these stories; these were oral folk tales that they just collected. Yeah. yeah, they were just collecting stories that they were hearing, mostly from family members at first. But eventually, the by the seventh edition, they had like two hundred something stories they had all gathered. But um, they were basically just the Carlos Mencia of the day, just collecting jokes <laughs> and retelling them, right? <laughs> yep, yep, that was them. So. This story actually has two versions. In one version, uh, two brothers see their dad butchering a hog, and the older brother and younger brother decide to play butcher, and the older brother butchers the younger brother, like kills him and butchers him. Uh, In the second version, a bunch of boys are playing and decide to play butcher and pick the youngest kid and butcher him. What kind of that's the morality story. tale is that? Um, that's the thing is that in the beginning, as I said, they're academics. It wasn't about morality. It wasn't about <laughs> like defining like what the story was about. It was about this is a story we've been told. Holy <laughs> Here it is. moly! Yeah. So that's an interesting one though that like I think needs to be explored and I don't know I didn't search into the academic history of this but it needs to be explored because the idea of children murdering children obviously is coming from somewhere so Mm -hmm. this is definitely coming from true stories of children murdering children which is a really rare occurrence though it does occur and we've had you know we've had it happen in the more recent centuries so uh, I would like to know where that comes from that's wow. very interesting. When's the Disney version come out? Yeah. <laughs> when do we get our Disney version of how some children <laughs> play at slaughter? <laughs> um, okay. There, there are others, though, Ben, that are just very dreamlike, I would say, where it sounds like he was asking people for, or like the, the Grimm brothers were asking people for stories, and somebody was like, here's a dream I had the other night. Um what happens in the ungrateful son ben the ungrateful son the ungrateful that's a Polly shore movie isn't it yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> doesn't he sing thank god i'm a country boy in that yeah one, i think I that's think. the one yeah. isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> shout out to rdm he's probably digging on oh that yeah reference. that's true yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> uh ungrateful son Basically, the story is uh, son sits down to a roasted chicken, like you do. Oh, I like mean, you I do. get it. Chicken dinner. Got to have chicken dinner. Wife must not be home. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so he sees his elderly father coming to the door, but he doesn't want to share his meal, so he hides it. Hiding that chicken. Fa- okay. Yeah. His father comes in, and once his father leaves, he goes to get his chicken. But guess what, Ben? It turned into a frog. 
that happens sometimes. If you're not watching your guess chicken what? dinner close, it can turn froggy on you. <laughs> right? And then guess what? It latches onto his face forever. <laughs> what? Yep. Like what? a goddamn fucking alien. Just... So what you're telling me is there's evidence <laughs> of like just rampant hallucinogen use in old Germanic times. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely the case. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> wow, that makes but so much me, sense. Let me just back that up with the strange feast, Ben. Ah, uh, this sounds the, nice. The strange feast, okay. In the strange feast, a blood sausage invites a liverwurst over for dinner. Okay, when, I've, heard, right. I've heard this joke. Hang on, a blood sausage right. and a liverwurst so walk into a bar. A blood sausage invites a liverwurst over for dinner. When the liverwurst <laughs> walks in the blood sausage house, he sees all sorts of objects moving that shouldn't move. He gets freaked out, and then he runs away and sees that the blood sausage has a long, sharpened knife in its hand. What? The end. <laughs> That's the end? Yeah. That's a real cliffhanger right there. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Boy, that I makes less than zero sense. Less than zero. Less than zero cents, Ben. But guess what? It's fucked up. <laughs> that, yeah. That's how hard up people were for entertainment back then, where they're just like, is this a story? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, seriously, that <laughs> that is the type of story that it's like... You, you need to get your kids to go to bed, and you're like, I don't know. Uh, God, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. A blood sausage uh, invited a liverwurst over for dinner. I'm just starving, man. Go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and they, he really wanted to eat the other one. Go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck ever? Go to sleep. You got to work in the morning, kid. Yeah. So another one involving a sentient sausage is the mouse, <laughs> the bird, and the sausage. Okay. Now, the mouse, the bird, and the sausage has a very clear moral to it. But so a mouse, bird, and a sausage living happy, obviously, like they would. Like you would, of course. They have their three roles. The mouse delivers water and makes the fire and lays the table. Mm-hmm. The the bird brings wood home for the fire. Very And sensible. the sausage, the sausage cooks. Of course. Of course, the food <laughs> cooks. So. Anyway, one day the birds out gathering firewood like you do, and some other birds are like, man, they make you work like a slave, right? So the next day the bird's like, hey guys, like maybe you're making me work like a slave. We should switch roles. I'm not going to go in the forest. And so the mouse and the sausage are like, all right, you know, sure, whatever. So now the bird's going to do the mouse's job. The mouse is going to cook. And the sausage is going to go into the forest to collect wood. Guess what, Ben? Uh-oh. When the sausage gets into the forest, it gets eaten by a dog. Oh, Lord of when... mercy. <laughs> and the dog explains, Ben, the dog explains to the bird that he ate the sausage because the sausage was carrying a lot of forged letters with him. What? Forged letters? That's a yep. plot twist. I didn't see that coming. Nope. No, who would? The bird. <laughs> <laughs> the bird agrees he should have died for carrying these forged letters and goes home and tells the mouse. But when he gets home to tell the mouse, the mouse has been trying to cook 
and apparently the sausage would roll himself around in the pot to mix the food so the the mouse is like oh i guess i'm supposed to get in the pot and so it burns to death and what then the fuck <laughs> the bird this is not comes cute or adorable <laughs> i don't know <laughs> the bird comes home from the forest and it's panics obviously it's like oh fuck no um it's so <laughs> it starts throwing wood everywhere and what? the wood catches on fire <laughs> but hold on don't worry the bird's not gonna burn to death it goes to put out the fire so it goes to a well flies down in the well to get the water and then can't get back out and drown what a great story <laughs> that's just a wonderful fairy tale right there isn't it the bird and the sausage tell wow. that one to your kids and <laughs> see the look on their face coming soon from dreamworks <laughs> is it possible that the brothers Grimm collected all these old you know oral fairy folk tales and stuff from just like bums on the street that were drinking scope <laughs> Did they have yes. that back then? Because these all sound like things that I hear like yeah. bums mumbling the, about. The Grimm brothers were the OG Dolomite. Yeah. They, <laughs> they were just taking stories they heard from drunks on the street and telling them in an entertaining way. You know what, though? Maybe that's what we start doing is like we become the new Grimm brothers where we're like, we're just going to yeah. write down stories that like crazy street people tell. And then in a few hundred years, people will be like, oh, these were the fairy tales of the 2020s. <laughs> He's make no fucking sense. Not a lick of sense. <laughs> All right, Ben. I'm going to finish with this one. The three snake leaves. The three snake leaves? Like leaves from a tree? Yep. Snake leaves. Snake leaves. Me. Dude, that sounds like a pretty sick like stoner or doom metal band. Yeah. Snake leaves? Snake leaves. Like it's just feedback for 20 minutes and then the song starts and that's like yeah. 40 minutes, I think. Man, and people are just grooving on it. Snake leaves. I like it. <laughs> I'm into it. So this princess announces that she's not going to get married to anyone that won't marry her or th that won't be buried alive with her when she dies. <laughs> great start. I can't start imagine already. why she can't get a man. A great start already, right? <laughs> so Live, this young laugh, buried alive. <laughs> buried alive <laughs> so a young man from a poor family is like well fuck you know what have i got to lose <laughs> like my family's poor like you know she'll probably die first it's a gamble but at least we'll have some money so <clears throat> he meets the princess they fall in love obviously uh and he agrees that like yeah i'll if you die before me i will get buried alive with you Hmm. Uh, and so after a while she gets sick and she dies so he, he falls through on his word he's hanging out down in the coffin with just a dead Chilling. body All yeah. right. um and while in there a snake shows up and he's like hey bro um snaking and whatnot and the young man is like fuck a snake so he cuts it up uh and it he cuts it into like three pieces and then another snake it's like hey what's where's my bro at oh shit a dead snake so he heals him with three leaves what the and fuck? then they both leave and so leave. The, okay right and so the man is like oh fuck those leaves right those must like bring you back to life so he puts them on his wife and she comes back from the dead fucking awesome right sick except now she doesn't love him <laughs> Uh, 
and this is Pet Cemetery. You tell me the story of Pet Cemetery now. Yeah. Now she doesn't love him, and she sends him out to sea, uh, and tries to have him thrown overboard. <laughs> <laughs> what in His, the fuck does this mean? Hold on. His servant rec- rescues him, and so they they go back and they tell her dad what's going on, and her dad, the king, is like, "Oh fuck no." So he takes the princess and her new boyfriend mm-hmm. and puts them on a sinking ship and sends them out to sea. The end. Seriously. Yeah. I love it. Actually, I think that's probably the best one so far. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this. I want to cast, uh, let's see, who would I cast as the princess? I'm going to put Anna Kendrick in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. For I sure. think the uh, the the poor guy that gets buried alive with her. I'm pretty sure this is gonna be either Chris Pratt mm-hmm. or Seth Rogen. It's gonna be Seth Rogen. It's gonna he's be gonna Seth be Rogen. Seth Rogen. He's gonna be down there in the coffin, like oh, this is, oh man, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> None I of can't those, do his laugh. Yeah, he's got that laugh. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the Rogen laugh. None of these make a goddamn lick of sense. That no. But here's the thing: is like. I wonder what these stories started out as because with all these old yeah. fairy tales, they're all oral tradition. So it's the, it's the telephone game, man. These things get passed around and passed around and passed around. Yeah. And who knows what is left of the original story? Yeah, which is why I think that today's film, Gretel and Hansel, is actually a really good adaptation of Hansel and Gretel because it is up to date. It's It's changed. Because the stories that the Grimm brothers were writing down were meant to be mutable. They were meant to transform and change over time to fit whatever is going on. Like Mm -hmm. the entire idea of folk tales, fairy tales, these sort of things is to teach the person hearing the story the right way to be. Mm -hmm. And that can evolve as time goes on. It's kind of like it's kind of like a a recording of a jazz song it's like that's not yeah. how it's always played right it's just how it's, it's played be this different. one time so right. whenever the Grimm brothers collected these they kind of i don't know if it was intentional or not but they kind of stopped the evolution of these things and made them sort of set in stone right uh yeah they, they were aware of that the, the these guys are academics let me tell you something about the brothers Grimm. my people these my peeps. Mo- these motherfuckers came up uh they were they were born into moderate wealth their dad like worked for the local government in uh, Hanau, which is about 15 miles outside of Frankfurt, mm-hmm. Germany. Uh, this was the 1780s. Their dad died, and that dad, left their dad. <laughs> the Grimm brothers would definitely be in dead dad because their dad died, which left 11 year old Jakob in charge. Wow, with no income, literally nothing, because he worked in government. Their house wasn't uh, their own, and they weren't producing any sort of crops. So mm, okay. without any sort of savings or anything, they were just completely broke. Uh, luckily, their aunt had arranged for them to go to uh, a school, and they, they're they about a year apart, Jakob and Wilhelm, uh, Jakob being the older. He, he went to the school, and then Wilhelm followed, and they... 
while there were uh of course treated poorly because they were poor mm -hmm. uh they didn't get to participate in most of the stuff because they didn't have money mm -hmm. but uh Jakob graduated top of his class and then the next year Wilhelm graduated top of his class still poor still broke as a joke they got into a university where again uh they were treated poorly all of the stipends that the university offered went to the rich students, not the poor students. Uh, so they again worked their asses off and became academics. Started, you know, writing actual academic texts about medieval German literature uh, and really just getting into how stories come to be and how actual, actually malleable folk tales are and how mm. they can be used to make a point in a right. particular time so the first edition of uh grim's fairy tales is much more academic in a lot of ways and has a lot fewer tales but it it really is more about like presenting the things but as it gets crafted over about seven editions it becomes more about establishing a german national identity oh okay yeah, so... That couldn't be used for nefarious purposes at all, could it? Well, it eventually was. <laughs> Hitler did use... Yeah, like he, he, he expected every good German to have a copy of Grimm's Fairy Tales in their home. It was like, like their it, mythology, I guess. Yeah. Right. But that that is not the fault of the Grimm brothers. Yeah. And when they are trying to establish a national identity, what they're saying is Germany should exist. Uh, they're trying to bring together all these disparate elements to say, we are one nation. Mm -hmm. uh this is you know they there's a time of french occupation that they go through and really it becomes this intellectual protest basically wow. these are academics who are using fairy tales as a as a protest against the occupation of the french and their in their land so mm. the development then uh, of it is like this uh you know ideal german identity uh it isn't how it started out but it definitely had like a positive association before hitler wow since hitler it's it's very negative but hitler was of course taking on uh innocent things and making them evil yeah the swastika which so forth. Is, yeah which is what evil people tend to do mm -hmm. like you know maybe just hold up a bible outside of a church like yeah you see it it's a fucking bible <laughs> <clears throat> anyway <laughs> That's smooth. <laughs> Not getting too far in the weeds on that. Uh, Make of that anyway, what you will. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, the first, uh, this is interesting. The, their first manuscript of it actually only contained like 53 stories. That manuscript was sent to a publisher who misplaced it and it was missing until 1910. Whoa, holy yeah. moly. Yeah, once it, when it was discovered, it became this huge deal because, like, uh, researching the Grimm's fairy tales is is very important in understanding like folk folk tales and fairy tales, things like that, but also like German literature. So it, it's it's been sort of a an important textbook for a long time. I like to uh, think that they like uncovered it and it was just like under the seat in his horse drawn carriage. <laughs> He's like, I misplaced it. Under Ooh, my seat. <laughs> I was reading it and then just put it under the seat. 
<laughs> and it's, it was in that place, you know, where you reached and you can't reach, but then you reach the other end and you can't reach again. And you're like, I guess there's nothing there. The more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> So anyway, eventually, though, by, by uh, 1857, they had uh, 210 uh, different tales in there. So Wow. Yeah, it's it's a super important book beyond just stories you tell to your kids, but it also serves as that. Like, most of the uh, most of the versions of Grimm's fairy tales that we've seen are sanitized versions that are yeah, aimed, for, aimed at children. Mm-hmm. I think this movie does something very genius. I believe this movie is aimed at teenagers, mm-hmm. though it plays well for adults. Uh, it, it is, I believe, meant to be aimed at teenagers, but it doesn't sanitize the story. Yeah, it's still it very real much keeps dirty. In, the, in the tradition of those original tales and stuff. Yeah, you're yeah, because right. yeah, that was one thing that I really took from it too is like, they don't really shy away from the weirdness and the darkness no. of those no. original fairy tales, which if you've not like read them, read them, they get really fucking weird. Like even like you yes. said earlier, Cinderella and stuff like that. And even yeah. the original Hansel and Gretel tale, uh, yeah. shit gets really fucking weird. And I, I do like how this movie kept a lot of that darkness and weirdness intact while, like you said, making it a malleable premise for yeah. the audience today. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it worked. And we'll we'll get into like the ways that it works today. But I think to start, we probably have to talk about this is our man Oz Perkins. Now hang on, Steven. I think you got the order of operations here all wrong. I think to Wait, start Wait, did I forget about something else? We gotta have ourselves a code beer. Code beer code. <laughs> code beer code. We got ourselves a very special Kobe here that we're going to get into before we start talking about old Oz Perkins because this Kobe right here came mm-hmm. all the way from Tianjin, China, in the hands of my sister-in-law, old Jesse. Yeah. Now, this is pre-pandemic. And yes. also, don't worry, they have been sitting long enough that if there were anything on them, they'd stay. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is from the Wee Brewery in Tianjin. She said that there weren't like a ton of breweries over there, and this is one of the only ones that she could find that did a pale ale or like an IPA or something like that. So she got us uh, two four packs here. One of them is an IPA. This is their American pale ale. Yeah. And I look forward to trying this thing out. Now, this is cool. I wish the viewers could see this. Well, I guess they will yeah. if you check the Instagram. It's got an old school. Um, pop top on here like a tab that yeah, you rip like, like a, a like, 70s yeah, like the, beer it's a little more like uh rigid than those were those yeah. were i remember i like i, I never pulled I one do, of those i was gonna say i don't know that i ever did i remember clearly they used to have juice in little cans that had like a like almost a sticker top that oh you yeah off. i remember that totally yeah Holy but cow. yeah i don't think i ever did have like they those probably didn't exist by the time I was born, so yeah. This uh, it's interesting. So uh, it looks like an American pale ale. It does, and it says <laughs> on the can here, description, inspired by Wee Brewery's location, it's simple, but just too good to pass up. This hoppy, right. crispy beer is suitable for all seasons and any occasion. I guess that includes recording a podcast with Hollywood Steve. Hell yeah. It says it right there on the can. It does. I didn't even notice that. I had to. There was some, a little bit of dust I had to wipe away, but it did say it right there. <laughs> it smells a lot like a dogfish head to me. It smells like a sixty yeah. minute or something like that. 
It does. It smells like it smells hoppy, but not like it smells kind of malty to me too. Yeah, yeah, not like over hoppy. I'm gonna get a sip of this. That's pretty damn good. I'll tell you what, that has like an interesting, I'll I, say almost crisp. raisiny flavor to it. Yeah, I would say crisp is right. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, sweet. There's a sweetness to it. Uh huh. But it's not like too overly bitter. It's not no. super dry, but it's also it's like a, little said, a little hoppy, sweet. but not too hoppy. That's actually pretty fucking agreeable. I would love to have that yeah. with a berg or a dog. A berg or a dog. Yeah. What if you both. got a dog on a berg? Oh, no, that's just all wrong. You can't do that's that. That's too much. <laughs> Keep them separate. That's pretty fucking good. I like that actually a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's very drinkable mm-hmm. for sure. It's only 5.2%. Oh, that's not bad at all. Not bad at all. Right on. Well, thanks so much, Jesse, for bringing these all the way from Jesse's the China. Best. Jesse's the bestie. Boom. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) So, Oz Perkins. This ain't the first movie of his we've talked about. We talked about the old Black Coat's daughter before. We did. We talked about the Black Coat's daughter. Uh, Also, he has the movie I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House on Netflix that I've I've recommended in the past. I'll recommend again. It's it's great. Yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, He's got a a movie coming out uh, whenever. Like... (laughs) Yeah, when is anything everything, going out yeah, these days? Everything is not planned anymore, but he's got a movie coming out called A Head Full of Ghosts, which Ooh. is kind of a, like the, the I, I haven't seen any synopsis of the movie he's making, but the the novel it's based on is like it, it combines like exorcism and reality TV in some what? way. So, yeah, so that'll be interesting. Wow. Uh but since we've already talked about Oz Perkins, I figured I'd mention that uh he I think I mentioned on the Black Coat Slaughter episode, he he was an actor throughout the 90s because he, he is uh, the son of Anthony Perkins, director, or uh, psycho from, the psycho from Psycho. Fucking, uh, <laughs> the psycho God from Psycho. It. Norman Bates. The psycho from Psycho. Norman Bates. God damn it. Uh, anyway, yeah, he was, he was in a bunch of stuff. He played, of course, uninterested guy in not another teen movie, you'll remember. Ooh, really? Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, this is the first time that he is doing something that does not have his name on the screenplay. Now, he helped write it some, uh-huh. but in the end, Rob Hayes got full credit for it. So this is mostly Rob Hayes, who is a TV writer who used to work on Chewing Gum before it was canceled. <laughs> okay. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you know Chewing Gum. No. You should check out Chewing Gum. It's about a girl who comes from an overly religious family trying to get out into the world. That sounds pretty uh, awesome to me. Yeah, yeah, and watching, I mean, man, it's great. Uh, it's a really funny show. So he, he used to write for them. So this but, is the yeah. first time, though, that Oz Perkins is being a team player and directing yeah. somebody else's movie. And I think I think I know what's going on here a little bit, maybe. This is a full guess on what's going on. Now, this is this is produced by Robert Downey Jr.'s production company. Tony Stark? Tony Stark himself, yeah. Wow. And uh, I, I think in some ways this might be just like a, almost a sort of test film for Oz Perkins where it was like, well, we got we got a, a pretty good script, but, you know, it could easily go corny. It could easily be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need somebody who makes it look good. Oz Perkins comes in. He's got he's got the experience to show that he can make his vision come to fruition. But can he make someone else's vision come to fruition now he's he's worked on the screenplay but this is rob hayes is the only one credited on the screenplay Mm. uh so he's doing this 
portraying someone else's vision, which I think is a good test to show a director is really that good. If they've yeah. only been making stuff that they wrote, like, can they work with someone else? Can they work with someone else's vision and make it their own? And it's I like think, playing a cover song versus an original. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, uh, you know, whatever problems this film may have, none of them are visual. No, absolutely not. No, I, this I think is a that gorgeous film. I would understand if somebody watched this movie and was just like, "This is not for me." There's a lot of bad right. reviews on it of people just like really, really, really hating it. And yeah, I can, see I can, that. I can understand, but I don't see anybody watching this movie and being like, "I hated it because it was ugly." It's right. a fucking gorgeous movie. Like it, it never gorgeous. stops either. Like there's some yeah. movies that every like, single shot is just yeah. Like, yeah, like dude. Painting. Yeah. There's some movies that are like very front loaded with a lot of like beautiful imagery at the first of the movie and then by the end it's just kind of like yeah, just normal everyday stuff. This movie stays gorgeous from start to finish. Yeah, it does. And it yeah, it's just so so well done that like I mean no matter what even if the movie hadn't made money, which it did, it made a good bit of money because it's a $5 million budget. It made $21.3 million. That's and insane. Because it's one of the few movies that'll come out this year. Maybe it'll win awards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> I think it could beat Sonic. I don't know. Uh, That's crazy. $5 million bucks to make this movie. I don't even know how you yeah, do that. I don't either. <laughs> but it, if it was a test to see if Oz Perkins could be successful... He, he fucking passed with flying colors yeah uh and i i think that you know in the future i'd love to see him you know still continue to do his own stuff because his own stuff is awesome but oh, yeah. to you know in the future if you hear oz perkins name attached to something it's just gonna be like oh good cool like that that might be awesome yeah yeah no yeah. doubt yeah I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to watch anything that he does from here on out because I mean, I loved Black Ghost Daughter. I think yeah, Black Ghost Daughter so is good. one of the coolest horror movies of the past, yeah. I'm going to say, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, like, probably in my top top 10, top 15 ever. Yeah, I really like that movie a lot. Me too. So just that alone get you know got me hooked on that guy. But then just, you know, again, seeing that, like, this movie I'm not head over heels for, but I will just watch it for the visuals entirely because it's yeah, absolutely stunning, you know? So yeah. I'll, I'll watch anything else this guy puts out. Yeah, and honestly, before doing research, I I, I think I said to you in text, this is like the witch light. Uh-huh. Like, they have the same sort of message to them of, like, you know, uh, escaping the patriarchal norms sure. and, and getting to feel free, getting to be yourself getting to feel attached to uh, connected to other women it, it's got all those things in a package that uh you could show to uh, a 15 year old and like they could identify with it yeah and where also the, the be witch like is that like, movie was scary yeah yeah, yeah whereas where the, the witch, witch is, is like a little yeah, yeah a little heavy <laughs> yeah it's a, a little over over their heads too probably yeah probably but they, yeah this this movie's like the witch light in some ways but you know what it once you get into a lot of like the sim symbolism uh and and things that are going on in here i think there's yeah. i think it's a pretty deep movie in its own right and though yeah it does still have that a similar message to the witch i think it says it says some other things and has a more hopeful ending i mean i think the witch's ending is hopeful i believe i said that in the witch I episode so. yeah but it it is uh 
it's one that if somebody said i don't think it's hopeful like i i could get their argument whereas this i think is completely hopeful in the end yeah like, it really seems like even though they're going to be separated the hansel and gretel like they're going to be happier because of it i think so that's kind of the message yeah. that i got out of it too and i'll yeah. tell you like i watched it for the first time last week i mentioned that on last week's episode and um i thought it was like okay i liked it more uh -huh. the second time because yeah the first time that I watched it, I just wasn't really sure what I was getting into. In right. my head, and from the preview, I mm -hmm. thought that it was just a very trippy take on a, you know, a European Germanic uh, fairy tale. Right. And then you start watching this movie, and the tone, and some of the dialogue, and even some of the costumes and soundtrack Man. are a lot more modern at yeah. times and i think like the first time that i watched it it was kind of a turnoff where i was like well that's not what they would say or do back in the whenever right. the hell this is supposed to take place but then you you come to that conclusion wait when is this supposed to take place yeah it never uh, says when where yeah. i mean anything like it's yeah. never really set in stone at all it was just kind of my expectation of this being germanic hansel and gretel kind of right. tempered my expectations so it's one of those that like I could understand a lot of people getting turned off by this the first time watch just because it's not really what you're expecting. And I'll say that that's kind of like good and bad. There's elements of this world that they portray in this movie that I feel like could have been left in the oven for another five minutes to develop hmm. some more. Okay. And then there's other elements in there where I'm like, oh, wow, that's actually a really cool sort of take on um, an alternate telling of this story. Uh, yeah. What was your experience like the first time that you watched it? Were you immediately like into it or were you like me where you're like, I don't know, that was kind of okay. I, I was, I was into it, but, uh, I, I agree with a lot of your assessment. Mm -hmm. Like it was not what I expected. And because of my expectations being completely subverted throughout, it was, I, I kept expecting it to be a little bit different. Uh, and so, yeah, the second watch through really did work better for me because the second watch through, I was like, okay, I know what this is. Pay more attention to it. Yeah. Uh, and, and paying attention to it, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> this is all beautiful and wonderful and perfect. And I, I like the way that they did it. I like that you can't tell when and where it is because yeah. if, it, if it's the fairy tale genre, right, to, to have this indecipherable like land and time nobody speaks with the same accent which you could say like well it's just bad acting i think it's supposed to be that way it seems like That's they were like no just, i was curious about just do really your normal accent that. the the feel is meant to be like I mean, this is a fairy tale that's being told because, like the as I said, the Grimm brothers were telling a fairy tale to Germans mm -hmm. about being German. This is a fairy tale being told to the world, being projected in front of the entire world. So this is about being the world. Yeah. So it's like accent shouldn't matter, but place it's still shouldn't pretty, matter. Pretty like, subtle. You know, it's like it it's is not very subtle, really yeah. super, super mega overt in that way. No. It's, it's the kind of thing where yeah, like, nobody's like doing a southern accent and then somebody's like, oh, Lord, I can't <laughs> believe there's a southerner here in the woods. Oi, that house is made of gingerbread, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Make it a pizza house. Yeah, let's just do all yeah. of our accents right now. <laughs> but, you know, it's like it's kind of you could call it subtle. You could call it underdeveloped. Right. Um, you could. 
but but also too the thing is is that we'll never really know because this is an hour and a half long movie right and i just assume that there was probably a lot of other world building world expanding stuff that probably got cut i mean maybe well, this was originally a two hour long movie and it got hacked down I think that's a possibility. I think there's a second possibility that I, I really, I really hope is true. And I saw some people saying this that it seems at the end they're trying to set up a sequel. Okay. I hope I'm on board. I hope they're trying to set up a Grimm's fairy tale universe. And I would love it if the sequel were a movie about the hunter or a movie about grown up uh, Hansel or yeah. whatever. I'd like, be very okay with that. That could be really I'm cool. I'm interested. Show me more of the world. It's 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 so interesting. And like if if we could come back eventually to this now good witch who's uh, taken over the bad witch's position and like can we come back to these things and it be an Avengers type of thing where yeah, no like doubt. eventually they all come together to fight Baba Yaga or something? Oh, I dude, see now we're talking. See like I would be way on board with that. The same way that like they really shit the bed with sort of the you know, the reboot of the Universal Monsters that they were trying yeah. to do. They could actually do Which this Which they had been trying to reboot so long. Oh, like they, so they've long. been trying since the 90s, I think, because they did, like, they did uh, the Jack Nicholson's The stuff. Wolf. And, and the, yeah, like, yeah, they've been trying forever to get back to that cash cow, yeah. But then the thing is, is, like, this could be that sort of thing, only with tales that haven't been beaten to death. Right. I would love that. And okay it's Robert it. Downey Jr.'s production company. You can't imagine that he's not thinking it at least a little bit, right? right? It seems like, that way. I was Iron Man. What if I had my own? What if I was the producer getting paid? Because a lot of those producers are making a whole lot more than those actors. And those movies make a lot of money. No doubt. So if he could set that up, he, I'm sure he'd be happy to do it. Right. Well, because that's the thing is like this movie does drop some things on us. And then never really gets back to him. So even like the character of the Huntsman, which, yeah. again, this is one of those things that makes you feel like, okay, this is a thing that is out of place, out of time, because I don't think there were really a lot of like free English-speaking black folk walking around Germany during this time period. I don't think that would be common, no. But we have like even like common peasants and stuff like that that are Africans. No. Yeah, and, yeah. And again, the Huntsman is a black guy and stuff too, so it's like... This is kind of out of time and out of place, and that character is interesting, and he, like, slays this, I don't know, ghoul guy? Yeah. That and never comes back. They never, like, explain that or anything at all, but it seems like it, that's, like, a tale to be told in another movie. For a movie that uh, has what I would say is a anti, anti-organized religion message, uh -huh. he quotes the Bible and is a good guy. Oh, yeah, he does quote the Bible. Yeah. So this is taking place in a reality where that story has been told, I guess. Yeah, and where, uh, as we gather from uh, her not wanting to go to the convent and things like that, where there are terrible religious assholes and there are some that are good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a real complicated universe that has so much more going on without any of that being said. Right, yeah. Which is, I mean... It's interesting that they're so subtle with a lot of those things when the narration beats you over the head, especially at the end. A little overt, yeah. Yeah. A little bit I would, I would nix most of the narration. It's I'm unnecessary. With I don't think yeah. it's really needed. It's like we can kind of gather what the fuck yeah. these characters are going through and what's going on in their heads without them literally talking over the movie as narration. Right. 
and I, I think that that maybe was you know notes afterwards where maybe or maybe they showed it to audiences and they just didn't connect with it and they were like eh, maybe if she says exactly what she's thinking at that moment yeah, I don't know, but it it, it doesn't work. Yeah, the narration I is just that, too much. That impression that they didn't trust the IQ of the audience, and they're like, Which, we need to spell this out for him. You know, again, could be them really trying to make the fairy tale genre work as a film, because the fairy tale is not uh, not trying to hide its message usually. Right. True. Yeah. Which again, why I think it's sort of aimed at teens. I mean, it's a PG thirteen movie. Uh, that has uh, a table full of chopped up kid parts on it. So, like, <laughs> I mean, people, they, it, it seems like they probably had to fight a little bit to get the PG-13, which is not normally what you would do with a horror movie. You sure. would want it to be R. You'd want people to think, like, oh, it's all fucked up. So it seems like they were really aiming at teenagers, and yeah, like, they they, they maybe didn't expect the the audience they wanted to get the message to actually get it. But right. as adults, they should maybe have the adult version. Just cut out most of the narration, mm -hmm. like because some of it is necessary, but most of it, yeah, just most of it's go. not to me at yeah. all. Yeah, and there's just kind of like, like I said, there's just weird things throughout the movie that I wish they would have explained a little bit more, or just developed some more. Like, like I said, early in the movie, they encounter that like ghoul guy, right? Like zombie yeah. man that just sort of screams, uh -huh. and then the huntsman kills him. Right. Uh, then there's no more speak of that where it's like that was a dead man come back to life it's just like that was something weird that happens sometimes <laughs> like yep you care to explain any of that or come back to it like they could have even had something later on in the movie where they're chilling at the witch's house and like a gang Another of these ghoul, ghoul men you right. know approach the cabin and the the witch has to destroy them or something like that like Seems like they could have come back to that. Or maybe there's other, like, supernatural, magical creatures that live in the forest and shit. But it's just like, nope, there's this one ghoul guy. <laughs> That's it. Bye. Once there was a ghoul guy. Yeah. And a huntsman shot him with an arrow. And there was a crab there for some reason. The end. What? <laughs> I did it. I wrote a Grimm's fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> odd, man. Like I said, it's one of those things that I think could have been developed a little bit more but but yeah, then like possible. you said it's like in a lot of these old ass fairy tales there's just random yeah. fucking weird shit yeah that's i mean like all the all the things you're saying are the things i thought the first time through and then going through and researching fairy tales i was like oh they're playing out a fairy tale like i i don't think that the i think there are flaws in the movie as i said the narration etc but i don't think that most of what you would say are flaws in this are unintentional i believe they were going for like as close as you can get a yeah. film to a fairy tale and, and most of it works and isn't too distracting i mean honestly i didn't really even think about what's what what's up with that ghoul until you pointed it out <laughs> i was right. just like yeah i guess there are ghouls or whatever well, even some of those little distractions like you were talking about um as far as like making this really feel like a dramatic fairy tale uh, that's one of those things that, that Kate was able to kind of explain away in terms of some of the, what I would think of as flawed dialogue in the movie. Because there's some yeah, dialogue there is, in the movie that's like Yeah, there's some bad stupid. stuff. Specifically anything the boy says. Everything the witch says is uh, goddamn really poetry. Great. Oh, man. Yeah, she delivers that boy, stuff great. The, I think the some of the stuff the boy says is bad because of the way he delivers it. Yeah, he's but not great. a lot of it's like 
like at the end after she's killed the witch and he wakes up and he's like you're scared it's like what the fuck where did that come <laughs> where'd from? that come from right yeah but there's even some bad dialogue develop uh delivered there by by gretel too like whenever they go and and find that first house where the ghoul guy is like they inspect yeah. the beds and she's like not exactly an iron maiden and that's one of yeah. those lines that sounds stiff well, as fuck whenever she delivers it, it. Is, but then at the same time stiff. you could read that in one of these fairy tales and it would just feel kind of right but it doesn't sound right, right to to say it out loud i think Okay, so uh, th- I'm glad you you got there because that that brings me to a much larger point I wanted to make about this whole movie. Uh, that in fact, it, the use of the word maiden, though being very forced there, is important there. Sure, right. Uh, because that's what she is. Right, she is the maiden. She is the maiden in the the triple goddess, uh, like formation which is the maiden the mother and the crone uh which is a a neo-pagan idea that that draws from pagan ideas uh neo-pagan doesn't mean uh somebody came up with it just yesterday neo-pagan started in the late 18th century so neo started in the 90s with the craft let's be honest started in the 90s with the the craft yeah uh, but the 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 maiden, the mother, and the crone is is this idea of a, a woman's life cycle. Uh, w- you know, uh, women start out as as young, innocent, fresh. They become the mother, the nurturer, the one who's responsible, and then they then become the crone. This scary uh, visage that uh, reminds us we're all gonna die. Mm-hmm. Uh, this obviously has that dynamic going on we have uh, gretel and then hulda's two forms she has the mother form and, and the crone form she has the hot goth girl form oh my gosh yeah she is a witchy you. woman you is what i say <laughs> uh, i i seriously when emily and i were watching it the first time I was like whoa hold on yeah she's a very attractive lady <clears throat> Uh, so anyway, the, the mother, uh, is the young Holda. She normally the mother goddess is, is, uh, nurturing and, uh, giving and things like that. So it's interesting. We only see her as, um, you know, in the scene where she creates the food and stuff like she's still being nurturing, even though she's evil, right? There's. But she has to turn into the mother to do it. Like, she can't be mm. the crone and create the food. I guess so, the, yeah. the crone can only consume. The crone is a representation of, of uh, death's inevitability. Well, which is the uh, real form of her? Is it the old crone holder? The or? old crone is something she puts on. Puts on okay, yeah. Though it's, it's also, like, a reflection of who she actually is internally. Like, she is this evil person. Yeah. Like, she was just wrapped in this beautiful package before, but she's changed because of that... Uh, insane story that they tell about the beautiful child which is so well developed very cool Uh, all those sequences are very neat and it's interesting too to realize that that is a folk tale that exists inside of this folk tale yeah it's a folk tale being told in a folk tale yeah and and the the concept of it is that it's uh i said this word to emily and she had I'll have to d- define it, but that it's preternatural. This okay. this story was born into her. Like, hmm. she knows the story because she is 
inseparably connected to the mother and the crone. Mm-hmm. She never heard the story. She just knows it. Okay, yeah. Uh, and and the witch even says, she says, oh, I love that line. Fuck, what was it? She she says, we're, we're the... We're made of the same stuff, the same trash, basically. Like that that they the the two of them have this connection because of of some trauma perhaps. Like they the there really is a good bit in here about the things that hold us back, uh, whether they be like mental uh, issues or actual physical things for, for uh Gretel, it is her brother that is holding her back right for for uh holda she she eats her children to get the power but her children weren't actually holding her back like she made a she made a pact with a demon uh what's what's really obviously seemingly holding her back is her her anger her resentment her because like she she resents Gretel's youth, despite the fact that she obviously takes a, a liking to her and sees like something in her and starts teaching her like almost immediately, she also despises her youth. She wants that for herself. She yeah. can't go back to the time when she was innocent and not uh, just full of anger and hate. Yeah. So, this though, like. To, to to characterize the crone that way is not entirely right anymore and definitely not what they were going for in this movie because it's been redefined. Like, croning, becoming, like, aging into wisdom is what it's looked at now. Like, uh, Broad City had an episode where uh, oh, yeah. Ab- Abby started getting gray hairs and they had that whole, like, witch element to it where it's like you're you're not like your life's not over you're entering this new phase where you can pass down wisdom so holda while being this evil character is also it's almost like she's fighting her evil because she sees something in gretel but she expects gretel to have to take her path yeah exactly yeah 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 but that's I mean, this this movie really, it's a girl power movie. It's saying to young women, like, you know, like, yeah, you know, maybe there have been, uh, like, women in the past who've gotten ahead and they've had to do a lot of terrible thing, like, say, sleep with Harvey Weinstein or whatever. Uh, but you you don't have to do, like, you don't have to live that world. Yeah. Like, you can make the world your own. Well, that's kind of the, the thing that I got out of the movie. And, of course saying what i got out of the movie is like what i get as a dude watching this yeah movie, exactly like, i'm sure i'm missing a <laughs> right. lot of things but like what i felt about it and may- maybe i feel confident in this assumption considering it was written and directed by a guy so yeah maybe they were getting out of this the same thing that i was getting out of it yeah. which is you know through this story um of gretel who is just kind of you know uh, becoming a woman Going through mm-hmm. that transition of becoming an adult. Yeah. She has her first period in this. Like, yeah. She, she's becoming a woman. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she kind of encounters the different paths that she could take as a woman. I mean, that that old, creepy fucking guy that they're trying to sell her off on at the first of the movie right. just wants to use her as breeding stock, essentially. Right. Really disgusting. And her brother wants her to just shut her mouth and take it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It exactly. really, yeah. It, it, 
displays the patriarchy immediately. Yeah. Like that it, it's not even hidden that right. that's what they're they're definitely the is wrong is that the patriarchy is not listening to women and further. Like that's and then, how it works. You know, past that, whenever they start hanging out with the witch and stuff, the witch starts telling her that all maternal instinct is a weakness. Any bonding mm-hmm. to, you know, a, a man or your children or anything like that is weakness. Right. And ultimately what Gretel finds is that the true power is choosing your own path. Right. And not just bound to either one of those uh, prescriptions mm. for what it means and what you can do as a woman. Again, yeah. maybe that's just fucking stupid as shit. I don't know. But that's, no, that's what I, think I got that's, out of it. That's what it's saying. Like, that, that is the thing we have to recognize about the movie is that in the end it is written by two uh, is written by a dude directed by a dude uh so we probably have the most unique insight into what they were trying to say <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, um, I don't know yeah Maybe I'm completely but, off base i don't know but I, I i think that is what they're trying to say yeah the, the true power think, is in choosing your own path right and i think that's a very positive message that totally. that yeah and it doesn't get it doesn't get preachy. It does. It, it that's that's how it works. Like it doesn't. It's not two white men saying this is how a woman should be. It's saying, I hope I hope for this for you. I hope you you have the opportunity to just choose who you're going to be. Yeah, exactly. And then let's embrace that. And these are good things. These are the virtues. It's a fairy tale again. This is how things should be. This is how we should be. So. I, I would agree with that message in the end. Like, you know, whether or not uh, a young teenage girl would watch this and get anything out of it, I don't know. Right. But I think it's who they're. I think that's who they're aiming at. Whether whether or not two white men get to tell a teenage girl. Here's what this means, feel. little lady. Yeah. Come on. Not. Probably <laughs> not how that works. But yeah. Yeah. But so. There's also a lot of symbolism in here. Tons. Oh, man, dude. This movie is yeah. absolutely covered in it. Sometimes it's, like, yeah. very overt, and sometimes it's more subtle. Like, the second oh, time yeah. through I was watching it, I was noticing how you many... you see all the triangles? There's tons. Yes, there's yeah, pyramids and triangles all mm-hmm. over the entire movie. Again, yep. sometimes very obviously, sometimes more subtle. Even, yeah. like, like, whenever she goes to um, visit the old perverted guy at the first of the movie, like, the stacks of wood meet kind of at the apex of that roof line and it forms a big pyramid and then even like i noticed whenever she was inside of uh the house talking to the old nasty guy like the way that there are two i can't remember if it's like two lamps or something behind her but there's two objects like behind her and then she's sort of in the mouth of the fireplace in the shot like it looks like there is a like a face that's swallowing her up like a skull face or something yeah there's uh like yeah there're just so many shots with the triangular geometry like even even like when the witch goes out and pukes into that hole mm-hmm. and she comes back up and she's the young witch like the way they've uh, got the the hood on her and stuff is in this triangular shape like they cool. keep going back to it and the reason is uh, one is a reference back to the the triple goddess i was talking about mm-hmm. the three of them are connected they are a triangle uh but the triangle in in Wiccan practice and in pagan practice tends to uh, be associated this triangle specifically with fire. Uh, hmm. uh, a, a triangle that would be inverted would be representative of water, and then uh, I don't remember earth and air just have like a line. Oh, those are like the old That's alchemy the symbols. Yeah, yeah. So 
this is yeah representative of fire it's it's a symbol for truth as a whole mm-hmm. like well and the triangle has been long associated with other um women's things the, the pink triangle and stuff like this as well well yeah i mean uh, yeah obviously it's, yeah. It, it has a, a yonic look to it absolutely like it, yeah it's an indication of a vagina uh but it, it, it's also um because it's associated with fire it's also associated with transformation Fire is always about transformation. Even in the Bible, they talk about a baptism of fire. Basically, right. the earth being transformed. Uh, so the fire is associated with transform, transformation, and change and growth, which is what this movie is about. So the constant show of the triangle is is just this reminder: like this is about change. This is about these three. This is this triple goddess formation. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, the thing about the triangle that really has nothing to do with symbolism but just true is the triangles the the a triangle is like the strongest structure in nature right so it this these three connected they have this strength with them which mm. makes me think that very i mean because like at the end she she has like you know rejected holda's uh like evil so Holda's gone, but and she's standing there sort of victorious, and then her fingers turn black. And like this is the end of the movie, but if you pay attention, like she Sophia Lillis, who's from it, um, she does so good in this movie with such subtle uh facial expressions. Like mm-hmm. whenever the witch like gives her the broom and she like makes it stand up, like her face goes from like not understanding to slow, slow smile. Yeah, a lot and of good physical stuff. Yeah, but like at the end, like she's you see her look at her fingers, and she freaks out. It's like she's like what? Because like she thought, well, I'm not her. I'm different than her. Yeah, but she has the same stain now on her hands. What do you think is up with that too? Like the the black fingers of the witch, I thought were very. Yeah just visually striking and very cool. Um, Kay yeah. pointing out that, like, back in the day, a lot of, you know, women folk that were manufacturing clothes and dying right. garments and stuff like that uh-huh. would end up with, with stained hands, Yeah, uh, which I is mean, pretty neat. But but with yeah, hers, it's almost, just kind of like, it's just black fingers. Yeah, I, I think in some ways it, it's uh, representative of, uh, I mean, because she does, her power does still come from that, black uh enchanter that like had those like demon fingernails yeah you know that we never see the face yeah which is a character that that we never like we never figure out what's going on there but like uh i i there's still some evil to her power it's almost like she has to actively work to suppress the evil now Mm. like now she still she has the dirt on her hands that they had on their hands. She she is as Holda said, she is made of the same garbage. Like they they are the same. Wow. So she she can't she can't escape it. Which is why it seems like it's setting up a sequel there at the end where it's like now well now we have a thing she has to deal with. Like that's a whole setup for a second story where now she has to deal with her powers and and all these other things like I I could totally see this becoming oh, no, several totally movies. man and, and there's yeah. also in addition to all the triangles and stuff through the movie there's tons of of moons and of course the moon yeah. has been a long held uh, symbol yeah. of of womanhood yeah and the 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 maiden the mother and the crone actually 
the symbol for that is is three phases of the moon right and we get three shots of the moon in different phases is it exactly three really uh yeah I, that's as far cool. as I think so i think so if i missed one that's fine but i'm gonna work off of the assumption i didn't miss one and it's cool uh, too because it, not only is it the moon but it's the moon at the peak of this black triangle it's like very right. very heavily it's symbolic. very much like look at this yeah and oh yeah this is involved in all the other stuff that's going on right yeah um it it shows it in three different phases the interesting thing to me is that from from my perspective the phases don't line up uh like the shadow of the earth it seems to be moving the wrong way and in different ways mm -hmm. so that adds for me to the fairy tale element of it where it's just like what is even going on on earth like <laughs> the moon have they been there that long that we're seeing three just different phases or does the moon work differently on this planet yeah all bets are kind of off right yeah i kind of love that i kind of love that feeling of like yeah it's a fairy tale like it shit happens weird oh yeah but there's also some very overt references to even other stories and i think in some ways even some pop culture and other horror oh there's a stuff ton too. of there, references there's yeah. that scene where she has that dream where she's down in the what i call the dining room kind of down in the well under the house there uh -huh. and there's the bodies with the sheets over them and that the blood starts running over the sheet that's straight out of hellraiser like that is a scene from yes. the first hellraiser uh-huh and the boy is standing in the corner like in blair witch yeah yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. and the beautiful child yeah. in that one part is doing there the are a couple of references to the wizard of oz yeah. she calls her my pretty and she says what a world right before she that, dies that right there to me both of those were just like way too obvious that was you think that it you took think me that, out man man you think that we saw wizard of oz kids aren't seeing wizard of oz anymore i guess so yeah they're not they're just not watching it like why we saw it because it came on tv all the time mm -hmm. kids aren't watching tv they're watching youtube Right. That's so true. if you're if you're uh, if you're making something, and again, that's why I thought this has to be for kids because like those references are so overt for us, for mm -hmm. people who grew up in a time when, yeah, I mean, I remember seeing Wizard of Oz on Thanksgiving on TNT a lot. Like TNT. Was, yeah, it was pretty common growing up. Like, but then to me, it just kind of like shortcuts a lot of the awesome stuff that they give uh, Holda to say through the movie. Like so much of her dialogue is so beautiful and then yeah, like, it is i wrote all of it down I dude, think. <laughs> and then like the last so line that they give her is what a world that's what a world come on to me that's pretty cheap <laughs> it you might know? be it might be uh, again though if you're gonna uh eventually go avengers are out it kind of sets up that sort of awesomeness there you go. <laughs> yeah there's also <laughs> a lot of alice in wonderland references yes. in here as yeah. well which there i are. thought was mm -hmm. kind of an interesting pull because it's not a germanic fairy tale either no but that that is i mean that's right in line with the Grimm brothers but i mean those 210 uh, fairy tales they had were not germanic <laughs> like yeah. so many of them were not from germany oh but, no and, and yeah. again that's a pretty overt one where they're they're walking through the forest hansel and gretel and they they find those like very picturesque little german mushrooms with the red and white caps yeah. and stuff so like they have that scene which again this is kind of another gripe in the movie where like she like lays down and like has this little conversation with the mushroom i th i thought that that was like really corny but again that is kind of what would happen in a fairy tale where they they have lines like that yeah. they have little scenes like that and it makes sense but 
on screen, I didn't think that it really made any sense. But at the end of that conversation, she's like, it says, eat me. Like, straight out of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, straight out of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. They, they're definitely paying homage to a lot of things. And, I mean, but we saw that in Black Coat's Daughter with, like, the Shining references and all that That's stuff. True. Like, yeah. Yeah. A lot of it, it references, is, too. Yeah, it is It is pretty... Uh, pretty much in line with Oz Perkins to make references to, to older movies. But I, I, yeah, I think, yeah, the, the, it didn't take me out of it. I didn't even notice the, my pretty thing until the second time through, but Word. the water world did stand out, but it, it didn't take me out of it. But I see, I see what you're saying. Cause yeah. it, 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 you know, if you've seen wizard of Oz, then that's like, well, definitely you recognize that connection. There was a really cool one that that Kate pointed out of there too that I didn't really pick up on. Whenever she finds that like the hidden door in the pantry that leads to the dining room, right? Yep. Uh-huh. It's like this little tiny door that she has to like crawl through, just like Alice yeah. crawling through the tiny door. Yep. And then as she walks down the stairs into the dining room, she's just absolutely dwarfed by this gigantic doorway. It's just kind of like all the sense of scale becomes really warped and strange. Whenever you have her crawling through the tiny thing and then suddenly being, like I said, just a speck inside of this gigantic doorway. Uh, Very Alice in Wonderland, very trippy. I hadn't noticed that the first time I watched it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, like visually, this movie is just like every awesome music video kind of like stellar together dude it looks like every opeth album cover from the past 10 years as a movie like if you've looked at the covers of the last few albums this movie looks like that plus like a couple black sabbath and led zeppelin album covers yeah the whole thing you just basically take any still from this and put it on a doom metal album and you'd be good to go (laughs) yes exactly Uh, yeah i i visually man he's just got a great eye and he I love really the does. the design of a lot of the the elements and costumes in the movie too. Like even the design oh, yeah. of Holda, I think is just fascinating. She's got these. She looks so great. Oh yeah. man, I assume she's wearing contacts because her eyes just seem uh-huh, blacked out, is. like yeah. West Borland. Or something. I believe the I believe the actress has brown eyes. Even I don't remember. Run on. When I saw her picture, I was like, "Whoa, she does not." look like hold <laughs> and, and she has this face that I, I think again going with the mother maiden crone kind of aspect um i mean obviously obviously gretel is very maidenly and young looking the right. the mother holda is yeah. as we said just gorgeous. absolutely gorgeous yeah. very womanly yeah. features and stuff the crone is almost devoid of anything that looks feminine she has very thin right, yeah. lips she, very thin features mm-hmm. everything looks very old and stretched like to me, the first time that we watched it, I was like, holy shit, she looks like fucking somebody from an Aphex Twin video. Right, she looked like she's she's wearing a fake skin. Yeah, it's cool. That's that's great, yeah, because that's what she's doing. <laughs> she puts she puts on this look to uh, look harmless. Mm-hmm. And even, even in doing that, she still doesn't look as harmless as she thinks. Like... <laughs> she 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 can't like fully perceive harmless yeah the way she makes herself look still kind of snake-like uh uh, very like yeah just yeah she covers her hair she she's just in completely black gown that just covers her her features all we get is her face and it's big features a, yeah, a very prominent face yeah and that house is just absolutely fucking oh, cool man. the design of the I house is that. so neat 
And I love, so too, cool. that even the design of the house is sort of a broken triangle. It's almost like uh-huh. a symbol yeah. of a broken woman in some kind of way. Right, yeah. And I love how there's... the dimensions of the house don't make any sense. Like, when you get in the house, right. it's not what it looks like from the outside. Yeah, very Suspiria-like, where yeah. uh, internally it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it it is like, I yeah, one time she gets up out of her bed goes to the door of the bedroom and is at that staircase leading down to that room yeah like the dimensions don't really fit or make any sense and we're meant to believe when we're watching it the first time these are dreams but we find out later these are all like reality these are actually happening so she or is or is she still being manipulated it feels like it's actually happening because like all the experiences seem to have actual consequences like things do like she her brother does leave Mm -hmm. right like all those things that happen in her dreams seem to actually be happening which would mean that like the witch it seems like the house is a projection of the witches Mm -hmm. like she 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 has projected this house she doesn't need to uh be in a house she doesn't need to protect herself from nature because she can control nature she uses this house to lure people in and once they're inside, they're technically just inside hallucination she's creating, so the rooms can be anywhere. Well, and also, too, we get this impression that she makes these powerful drafts and potions and stuff right. that can have yeah. crazy effects. I mean, she uses the the phrase, a stew of nightmares, if you make that one potion wrong. Right, yeah. So uh-huh. who, who the fuck knows, right? Right, yeah. And, no and of idea. Course, it could be a, in the food. This is a very small cast movie, and as you'd expect, Gretel and Hansel are the main characters played by... Uh, well, actually, they're not necessarily child actors. I guess Gretel is is kind of a teenager at this point, and Hansel yeah, well, is still a young boy. Yeah, they basically normally they're the same age. Uh, normally they're about twelve, and uh, essentially they just took four years from the the boy and gave four years to the girl to make give that like more of a burden element. Like the the younger brother is because he's eight and can't take care of himself she is responsible for him yeah and that also is like the flip of you know it's not hansel and gretel it's gretel and and hansel because gretel is the main character right she's the one who does yeah she's the the wise one the smart one the one who makes all the decisions and and the one the story is about how do you think the kids do uh sophia lillis is amazing she's awesome in everything she's just great uh the narration reading though it leaves something to be desired i would say (laughs) see that's the thing where i'm kind of torn i'm like obviously she knocked it out of the park and it i mean she really yeah was one of the best things about it part one well and and it part two but it part two doesn't really have a lot going for it so she's definitely one of the best parts of it part (laughs) two but there's times in there where i'm like did she not do a good job or is it just that that line kind of sucks like the lines suck. I some think. of the lines suck. Like yeah. that part in the movie towards the first, whenever like the the ghoul guy is coming towards her, and it's like this yeah. very tense, intense, you know, crazy, weird. Yeah. What did scene. she say? She says, "Oh, oh, not this." Or she, no, she says, "Oh, but not really." Oh, but not really. Like almost yeah. like, oh, it's this now. Like yeah. it's just kind of like, really, was that the line? Right. But. Yeah, Again, I don't think I, anybody could have delivered that line better, so I'm not going to put the fault on her. Yeah. I Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel. I think uh, the little boy, Sam Leakey, he's just a little boy uh, who's not, he's not excellent great. at acting, and then the lines they gave him to say aren't great. But again, because we see the witch's lines, we see the, the, the hunter, they speak perfectly well, 
it's it seems almost like deliberate deliberate yeah where the children speak like children speak in fairy tales which is uh, uh, an adult's approximation of what a child might say. Yeah, very stilted and like overly right. dumbed down at times. Yeah, it's just such a contrast when you compare like his performance to like let's say the the young boy in the movie The Witch. Oh yeah! Holy shit, man! That kid was awesome. Oh my yeah. god, unreal. So yeah, th- there's there's a good bit of difference there, but yeah, the I, I mean I think Alice Krieger who plays Holda um, is amazing. She she was the Borg queen in Star Trek First Contact. Oh, in yeah? In case anybody's wondering where you know her from. I was wondering if I'd ever seen her in anything else other than this. Oh, yeah. She she was in uh, one of her more famous roles is in Barfly, if you've ever seen Barfly. No, I've never seen that. Uh, she's also in Thor, The Dark World. She played the Doctor in oh, okay. Valhalla. Or not Valhalla, but uh, what's the name of the city they live in? Fuck, I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, yeah, she she's she's been around for a long time and she nailed she does so good in this i'll tell you what such a great job i'll just go ahead and throw my hat in here if they ever do a pumpkin head remake (laughs) she's gotta be the old crone out there in the swamp has to be absolutely (laughs) i don't know why they would do a remake of pumpkin i'm not sure they do She's got the Somebody job. Somebody out there's got to be working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she does a just stunning job. I mean, like I said, there's moments where Gretel's acting kind of leaves me a little bit stranded, but I think it's really just the lines. And uh, yeah. again, Hansel has some pretty questionable moments where he's just he's just not yeah. very good, man. No, he's uh, yeah. There there's a lot of problems there with that. But, the Huntsman is great, but he just doesn't really. He's not really in this movie very much. He's like, sir, no, he's not appearing not. in this film. <laughs> Here I am. I can shoot an arrow. See ya. See ya later. What do you think about the uh, the soundtrack of this flick? Yeah, it didn't stick out to me at all until you mentioned it. It kind of stuck like, out to me. Did it? There's so many moments with just no soundtrack at all. Yeah, which is fine by me. Yeah. And, and then when there is soundtrack, it feels like it is ripped out of an 80s fantasy movie, like Legend or Labyrinth yeah, or something like I'm that. I'm cool with that. Yeah. It's like very synthesizer based, yeah. very uh which I mean I love, but I don't know. Again, maybe they did that very intentionally just to make this movie feel more out of time and out of place. I would imagine. But yeah. to me it kind of felt out of time and out of place at certain points. Like not <laughs> oh, in a okay. good way. I don't know. Uh I feel like I don't know. I think just overall with this movie, I wish that it would have committed a little bit more to like okay is this germanic folktale or is this just completely wackadoo nuts it's everything all at once like with steam-powered crossbows and <laughs> fucking all <laughs> kinds of weird stuff you know i kind of wish that it would have committed more one way or the other i i like that it didn't i prefer that it didn't in fact i think I they're trying that. to invent a, a new type maybe of adaptation mm-hmm. that is more faithful to the genre it's adapting because mm-hmm. uh, we've seen that happen with like novels and stuff we've you know uh you've even seen movies like that will ferrell movie stranger than fiction where a novel is being written and that's the movie like yeah so cool yeah we've seen those sort of adaptations so to to like they're walking a really fine line you're right i mean and so like some of it's not gonna work it's always gonna be they're going out on a limb 
Sure. And some of the limbs are a lot stronger and some are a bit flimsier. And maybe, yeah, maybe the use of synth when nothing else seems to fit that mold is a little out. But again, maybe they're trying to pay homage to those those movies of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I understand why people like it, but at the same time, if you don't, like me. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. like, this, this is, everything is going out on a limb. If you don't like it, it's like, well, yeah, like, that, that was going to be a precarious thing no matter what and this movie is just full of them yeah. like everything is sort of going out on a limb which i like about it and also understand why somebody wouldn't like about it so i, I get i get the negative review yeah this is one of those ones where i just overall get it if somebody loves it or hates it either way yep. you know one thing in this too that that i was going to point out while we were on the subject of uh of hansel there is that even though this movie is very much centered on uh Gretel and the journey of uh, of womanhood and stuff. I think that there's also a little bit of message about about boys and men and their roles and stuff. I think in yes, society. there is. Uh, uh-huh. If you'll notice, like Hansel, the whole movie, pretty much all that he ever does is talk about consuming meat, becoming strong, chopping yeah. down trees. Yeah, it, it, it's like the entire nature of masculinity in this movie is destruction in a lot of ways. Right, and she has to be willing to let him go his own way and recognize that 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 way may be toxic because when he does go he goes back to his home where his family is dead i assume his mom died yeah, mom's not there as well uh and takes the axe that his mother slammed into the table to make her kids leave so she wouldn't chop them up and eat them uh takes that axe and basically the the assumption is he's taking up that mantle he's taking up this this axe mm-hmm. he's he's basically taking up the, this fight of i'm i'm going to keep up the patriarchal order and yeah, so I, it could I, be, or I mean, you could also just say that he is there to balance the way that his sister has become so in tune with the earth and a caretaker right. of nature and stuff like that. It's like maybe the key is the balance there, you know? Maybe, maybe that is what. Yeah, maybe that's what it's getting at. I mean, there, there. That's what I was thinking at the end. There is there's just such a setup for maybe even a clash between the two of them in the future, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he he really embraces this uh very destructive nature destructive nature and she she has to fight him back or something i mean that that would be again like uh this doesn't seem like the type of movie where you look at it and go that's gonna get a bunch of sequels but when i see it that's man all i can see are sequel opportunities for this and i really hope they do it (laughs) What do you think about the pacing of the movie? Do you think that it moved at a good at, at a good clip, or yeah, do you think I mean, it felt like it drug a little bit? Hour twenty seven, like, uh, they get to the witch's cabin like twenty minutes in. So, wow. all of the stuff that happens before her going to the the brothel, her mom kicking them out, them, uh, you know, uh, eating the mushrooms and all that stuff, that all happens pretty fast and gets them to the point of adventure really quickly so it i mean there since then the action predominantly takes place in a house right i could see if somebody says that 
feels like it's dragging. That's that's how I felt. I was kind of like the world building stopped once they got right. there. But th- to me, it never felt too slow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. I would say though, at the end, it does feel longer than an hour twenty-seven. I, I think, think so, so much is introduced. And so much happens in the time that it, it feels a bit longer. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't feel like there was ever, like, a true escalation of, like, oh, my God, they've got to get the fuck out of there. Like, this is getting bad. they got a jet. Like, I didn't right. feel a lot of, like, tension buildup kind of thing. But then no, again, it's, it's like I could also say the same thing about a lot of my favorite movies. So I don't know if that's really a valid complaint. I think the tension builds slightly between Holda and Gretel, but never much because the the end point isn't that she hates holda she doesn't want holda dead she doesn't want her brother dead so she kills holda yeah like, well, she also doesn't want holda dictating the way that she lives her life right so but again like the yeah you're right like the the tension is is really uh is is never building overly much but it's always there i mean i mean you do have to remember that we do find out that they're eating children with about 15 minutes left to go in the movie. Yeah. Like that was a slow reveal. Yeah. Like that. And the, very disturbing. The, and very disturbing. Yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of kid body parts poured out onto a table was uh, not what I expected from this movie, though it's right in line with Grim Fairy Tales for sure. Exactly. Very much. Yeah. Overall, I just. I wish that there would have been a little bit more escalation, maybe some more external threats, or or maybe even something where some of the characters that we met earlier in the movie come back in some way or something. But I just kind of felt like there was a little bit of a loss of momentum considering that you spend, I mean, probably, what, like four-fifths of the movie in the same location. Sometimes yeah. that can work great for me if the tension is building up, uh, like The Shining or something like that, obviously. Right. But in this, to me, it was just kind of like, we're building this cool world. Let's right. stop here. <laughs> so I wish it could have this, expanded. This on is that World a One more. of a video game. You're saying? I think like, so. You know, it's I like oh, so. here's here's how you use your magic. Press A. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty neat flick. Uh, but you know, again, it's like I'm watching this as like a dude, so I'm not even really sure that this movie is like meant to blow my mind. Like Kate, Kate fucking loved it. She was like, "This is like yeah. a nine and a half for me." She liked it better yeah. than. Way better than Black Coat's daughter. Uh, she huh. says she even likes it better than The Witch. So oh, apparently wow. there's there's elements in here that are just not hitting me the way that they I, right. I think would a woman watching this movie. I mean, I I I would say I highly regard this film. I don't think it's better than Black Coat's daughter or nah. The Witch, but I think it's it's for me it's up there. Like this is the type of movie I can see myself rewatching a number of times because it. It's light enough that it's not ever depressing to watch. It's not a hard watch. No, it's not like Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) Yeah, and it's visually gorgeous. So, like, it's the type of thing you could just have on in the back. Like, if you had this on at a Halloween party and nobody heard a word said, they still wouldn't mind that it was on. Oh, yeah, it fit the mood just right. Yeah, this is one of those ones that, like, if I watch it again, this is... that was my second time watching it for the show here. If I watch it again, it will be more to relive the visuals. Yeah. Or maybe see some of the other um, symbolism and stuff that we were talking about. 
than it will be to like relive that story again. Like there's there's movies that I watch over and over because I'm like I want to relive that story. I right. want to go back to that place. Um, but this is one of those ones that, like I said, I'll probably rewatch for visual appeal and inspiration more than anything. If that makes sense. No. Yeah, it makes total sense. What kind of number would you stick on this thing? Uh, for me, this is like an eight, eight and a half. Like, wow. I really love this movie. I had so much fun. Like, all the things, uh, uh, I don't know if anyone's gotten it throughout the, uh, the the episode, but all of the negatives I see is uh, probably positives. Like, uh, they, they are, it's, it's a really interesting exercise in artistic horror, is yeah. what I would say. That also serves as a movie teenagers could watch and enjoy, mm-hmm. which is a weird line. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. It's one of those things that I wish that I could talk to Oz Perkins myself about this and, and the writer yeah. as well and be like, are the things that I'm perceiving as flaws intentional? Is the fact right. that some of the dialogue... Because that would change it, yeah, right? Yeah, right? Because yeah. like, if the fact that some of the dialogue is really weak and cheesy, well, that's because that's how it was in those books. Okay. Yeah. Is the fact that nobody has any sort of consistent, discernible accent that works with the other characters, is that to make <laughs> it more, this could be anywhere, this out could be any Out of time, place? out of place, yeah. Yeah. Is yeah, the fact you, that like Hansel yeah. and Gretel both have like hats that look like they were made in the 1920s? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's like it's, maybe these are all things that they really did on purpose. Be like, yeah, we wanted it to make it very timeless yeah. and sort of confusing. I'd be like, oh, well, in that case, you nailed it. I sort of thought the hat that Gretel wears might be a reference to uh, what was the name of the reporter in Harry Potter? Oh, yeah. She's got like a jaunty hat. Yeah, it's a similar hat. It seemed to me, or even like the hats the uh, Bobatons girls wear when they oh, come yeah. in. Oh yeah, it, it looks exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought maybe that that was what they were going for, but then I do think that's actually a Wizard of Oz reference too. I'm pretty sure that the the Munchkins are wearing some hat like that. Sounds right. So it might be a reference yeah. back to Wizard of Oz. Not positive. It might anyway, be. Yeah, you might be right, man. Yeah. So like, there's yeah, I would love to to have that conversation. <laughs> For right. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish I could just figure out if what I'm perceiving as flaws are intentional parts of this, you know? Yeah, me too. Yeah, because, uh, like, I'm I'm going out on a limb myself and saying, yeah, I think they are, I think they're intentional, and I think because of that, it's a really good movie. Well, I'll even say, you know, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt that they were doing all those things intentionally, and I'll still say I wish they would have leaned into it harder. Okay. If you're going to commit, really, really commit to it. You know, <laughs> but again, maybe that was out of their hands and maybe there was stuff no, that got edited maybe. out of the movie. I just don't know. It's possible. I mean, with an hour 27 movie, it does seem likely that surely stuff got cut. Yeah, sure. Without a doubt, man. So I think just watching it on face value in terms of how much I enjoyed this movie, I think I'm probably I'm definitely lower than what you're saying. I think I probably got like six and a half. Yeah, that's you fair. Know, above average. Yeah. One that I would I would I would rewatch, but not one I'm like chomping at the bit to see again. Yeah. You know? But but again, it's like that's that's just that's just the audience here talking clearly to other people, like like my wife, it's fucking, you know, near flawless. So I would definitely say the PG thirteen rating is perfect for it. Yeah. Like it, it really, truly, if you're listening and you, you got a teenager that you want to like horror movies this is one that they will probably remember the rest of their life yeah it's not super like, like jump scary or right yeah too it's not gruesome. gonna keep them up at night but it's also gonna stick with them 
I think so. Yeah, so it might be perfect for that for that audience right there, huh? Yeah. But for an old grizzled piece of shit man like myself, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna toss it a six and a halfer. That's a fair and a good score, by the way. <laughs> like, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I'll let you podcast people know too. If you want a little bit of a second opinion about this thing and find out what some other folks felt about this flick, check out our friends over at Say You Love Satan on their podcast. They're, they usually do like just '80s horror movies and stuff like that. But during this crazy time of quarantine and lockdown they're not recording in person they're doing all their stuff over discord so they're doing just kind of a little bit more loose fit laid back kind of show over there Mm -hmm. where they're doing some modern movies and stuff too until they can get back to their 80s grind uh and they're doing this movie on their show sometime around the time that this episode comes out so if you want a second opinion be sure to go over and check them out and tell them uncle ben and hollywood steve sent you yeah as you're listening to the podcast be like Uncle Ben in Hollywood, Steve sent us. Yeah, say it. It. you should say it. Yeah. You should say it. <laughs> well, uh, Steve, I'm really excited to check out the movie that we're doing on next week's episode because I've been hearing so much hype about it. Some of the people on our Facebook group, which I can find over at... Uh, Facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. That's right. Join the join the chat. It's where all the cool kids hang out and do cool kids It is. Stuff. It's true. But yeah, over there, I've seen a lot of people talking about how much they like this flick, and there's a lot of critical hype for it, too. Uh, so I'm excited to check it out. I watched the trailer for this, and it seems like it's going to be right up my alley with its themes of isolation and crazy mm. fucked up families. And it looks like there's like some religious fervor in there too. Yeah. We were intentionally voiding like isolation movies, That's though true. we accidentally ended up doing a couple. <laughs> a, yeah, a bunch of them. <laughs> and now it's like, well, I remember the cool days when it was just isolation. Yeah, really, right? Remember so when let's that talk was about isolation concern? again. <laughs> we're going to be checking out The Lodge. Yeah. Which and came out what, you, like last year or this year? Yeah, I last year. Okay. Came out last year. Uh, I, I did, I've already watched it. Um, I, I don't want to reveal too much. Okay. It's horror movie vomit. Oh man. Are we getting <laughs> Veronica again? Do you think? No, it's better than that and worse That's than good. that. Oh, 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 but better. But I don't know. Really? <laughs> well, I hope it's I like it. I, it's, oh dude, it's going to be a good episode no matter what, because there's so much to talk about and hopefully you do like it. So, you know. You can maybe convince me it's good. <laughs> there we go. Well, we'll find out about it next week, man. I'm excited to check it out. It, again, maybe it's bad, maybe it's good. I don't know. But either way, it'll be a joy to hang out here on Dead and Lovely and, and talk about it. If you guys enjoy the show and want to help us out, be sure to go on Apple Podcasts, rate, and review. It just takes you a second, but it makes a huge, huge difference for us in showing up in those search engines and stuff like that. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to go on there, rate and review on iTunes. They can also follow us on social media. At Dead Lovely Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Head on over there. We're always posting this and that and the other thing. It's fun times. Good times. And again, support mm-hmm. us on Patreon if you care. Yeah, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Maybe you heard of it. Maybe you done heard to us. Maybe we talked about it a little bit earlier. Yeah, maybe that, right? Well, you guys be sure to check it out and tune in to the show next week when we'll be talking about The Lodge. Everybody uh, stay home, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. And your ass. (laughs) You guys have been fantastic. We've been Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. Well, we've been Dad and Lovely. We'll catch you all next time. Bye.
All right, are you ready? Yep. Click, click, boom. boom. <laughs> <laughs> Officially, the douchiest way we can yep. use to 100%. get the recording synchronized. No one can know of this. Nope. <laughs> it's like I listened to the end of the episode, and it sounded like they synced up with click, click, boom. <laughs> like instead of one, Not two, sure. three. That's actually it sounded like sounded like. Ben was wearing a backwards cap with a flat brim. <laughs> I could I hear why. the affliction shirt in his tone of voice. <laughs> yeah. 